Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Scott Deberson, the lead pastor here at Victory Life Church, and I'm so glad you've joined us here today. Some of you may be wondering, when can we connect once again for live services? Well, the restrictions in place uh, for this phase of the pandemic are still far too restrictive. For example, we can have no more than 50 people in the building at one time, and of those uh, 50 people, those over 65 are encouraged not to attend. And there is also a very strict policy on singing. No singing allowed and no worship ministry. So, yeah, it's far too restrictive for us and for almost all the churches across Alberta. So what we're continuing to do is we're going to continue with Church Online provide for you the word of God and the messages this way until those restrictions are lifted. Is that okay? Well, hey, I'm starting a series today I entitled Life in a Post-Virus World. (laughs) I feel actually compelled to talk about this because I'm sure this very thought has been weighing on you. This past March changed our world as we know it. We went from living footloose and fancy free to being cooped up in our flats with more time on our hands than we'd like. Some of us are puzzling (laughs) and we're realizing it's not just something for old people. Just saying. And some of us are finishing projects that sat on the shelf collecting dust. I purchased uh, an Adirondack chair from Costco. And I purchased it four years ago and it's been doing nothing but taking up space in my garage. It sat unassembled, collecting dust, and was continually in the way. That is until isolation hit. The reason it just sat there, by the way, is it came raw. It needed to be stained and varnished, and not just one coat of varnish. It needed four coats of the sticky stuff. And who has time for that? At least I did it until now. (laughs) So, yeah, I finished that project uh, this week, and I dare say it looks pretty good, and it's very comfortable on that. I also had a window well that broke away from the foundation of the house that I've been meaning to fix for years. Well, I fixed that this week as well. And I'm sure you have stories of projects that you've completed during isolation. Jot, you know, why don't you jot down a few of them in the chats and let us know what they are, what projects that you have completed. You see, my personality is such that I'll have a bunch of stuff on the go, but not necessarily complete them all. For those of you familiar with the disc personality types, I'm an I. Or if you're not familiar with the disc, then I'm a sanguine. Or if you're not familiar with that, I'm a what they call a golden retriever. <laughs> anyway, one of the traits of an I personality is we'll read four books at the same time and not necessarily complete them all. Or we'll have six uncompleted projects on the go. Yeah, you know, eyes tend to get bored very easy or distracted, one of the two. 
in some ways, this isolation has been a blessing and we've been able to get some projects done. And of course, in others, it's been nothing but a curse. Our yards and houses are looking great. We've had more time on our hands than we've ever had before. But we miss the interconnections of live chats. At least my personality does. We miss hugging our friends, our kids. And if you have grandkids, of course, you miss hugging them. And through this, we are wondering what life in a post-virus world will look like. In this series, I hope to address this for you from a biblical standpoint. I'm going to look at four, at this subject from four different angles, with today being largely an introduction. Uh, I want to look at number one, I want to help you see that God is in control. It doesn't matter what has been thrown at man throughout history. God has shown himself throughout the ages to be in control. Number two, I want to ensure you that we can have peace when peace seems to be failing all around us. And this peace, my friends, will carry us through this and any other crisis that we may face. Number three, I want to show you through this series is I want to show you that we have protection and a covering that can only be attributed to the divine. Number four, I want to help you see that in the midst of chaos, we can somehow thrive. How does that sound? Does this give you a reason to tune in next week and the week after and the week after and the week after that to hear this tooth-gapped preacher <laughs> I've noticed that when I'm when I'm uh, now that I'm 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 on online and the camera's so close, boy, you can really notice my the gaps in my teeth. <laughs> Anyways, I hope you tune in in these coming weeks. I believe that what I have to say will prove to be helpful for you as we walk through this thing called life. Scripture says some things that are very interesting to us regarding the times that we live in. I'm going to look at it, though, from a little bit of a different angle. Let's, um, I am going to start by looking at it through Romans 13. Romans 13 starts off by stating the importance of submitting ourselves to the governing authority. It even says in verse 1 of Romans 13 that the authorities that exist have been established by God. And if we rebel against them, against those authorities, we actually are rebelling against God. I'll pause uh, for effect and allow what I just said to sink in. Read it for yourself. It then, in verse 8, starts talking about the importance of loving one another. And then it moves into a summation of the commandments that God put in place with the Israelites like way back in the day. Yeah, you know, those commandments. Remember when Charlton Heston came down from the mountain? I mean, Moses came down from the mountain with holding and clutching these two stone tablets with the Ten Commandments written on them? Yeah, those Ten Commandments, it starts talking about 
in Romans uh, 13. Well, let's let's actually read what it has to say. I'm going to try something new here, and and let's see if it let's see if it works. There you go. <laughs> Romans 13 9 to 10 says this: The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may, may there may be are summed up in this one rule: love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. (laughs) First, we see here that we are to submit to those in authority. Then, we are to be a loving, caring people. And not just to those who are easy to love, but toward all people. People that are different than us are the people that we're supposed to love. People who believe different than us. People who eat funny smelling food and who don't seem to care about how their yard looks. We are commissioned, friends, to display Christ's love to them. And then we see in verse 11, a call to action. Verse 9 and 10, a call to love. And verse 11, a call to action. It's a proclamation, in fact, to be roused as if from a deep sleep. Check it out here in uh, verse verse 11. It says this, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. (laughs) Then I love how the Passion Translation puts it. It says this, To live like this is all the more urgent, for time is running out, and you know it is a strategic hour in human history. It is time for us to wake up. For our full salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. I love that. What does life in a post-virus world look like? It looks like this. It looks like the church being roused from her sleep. It looks like the church waking up to her ultimate calling. It looks like the church becoming what we have been destined, my friends, to become. A church that loves more deeply than we've ever loved before. (laughs) We love our neighbors like we've never loved them before. And my friends, this term neighbor is not confined to those living next door to us. It's about walking in love to all people that we come in contact with. Yes, that means walking in love toward your grumpy boss. It means walking in love toward your LGBTQ coworker. It means walking in love toward your gnarly relative. And yes, even walking in love toward your governing official who is of a party that you did not vote in. We as believers in Jesus Christ are being awakened 
We're being roused as if from a sleep to love like we've never loved before. What does life look like in a post-virus world? I hope, my friends, it looks like this. The whole love your neighbor thing, it's real. It isn't a great suggestion, as some might say. It is, in fact, the entire gospel, the whole of Scripture, wrapped up in one neat little package. Someone once said, if you could sum up the Scriptures and the message of the gospel in one simple sentence, how would it read? Well, I thought about it, and I thought, yeah, it's quite simple. Love God and love your neighbor. That's it. The gospel summed up in one sentence, a short sentence, love God, love your neighbor. That is it. So friends, I believe it's time for the church, for you and for me to wake up, to do what we have been commissioned, what we have been destined to do what we have been called to do, to love like we've never loved before. Did you catch that? It's time for us to wake up. It's time for you, the church, and me, the church, to wake up from the deep sleep that we've found ourselves in. This love your neighbor thing, for some of you, it is going to be downright difficult. For you to allow for the Holy Spirit of God to chip away at that crusty interior? Yeah, you heard me right. For the Holy Spirit to get a hold of your old school thinking, people will need the Holy Ghost to come in in waves after waves after waves and remove your bigoted ways. Yeah. I know what I'm saying is stepping on some toes, but I believe, friends, it's time somebody said it. And maybe, just maybe, the reason why we are losing so many of our young people to the world, maybe it's because in the world they find a love and an acceptance that they never saw displayed in the church. All they saw was judgmentalism, condemnation, and bigotry. Someone needs to say this, my friends. See, if someone talks different or acts different or looks different or sings different, we tend to roll our eyes and we move away from them. And if we do choose to draw near to people like that, It's to get them to see things our way. To get them to see the world the way we see the world. Or to condemn them into conversion. A conversion that often looks just like us. Am I talking to someone this morning? Hey, someone needs to say it. And before all you young people... Jump all over this and throw stones at the older crew. Scripture has some things to say to you as well. 
<laughs> so let's carry on reading out of Romans 13. And in verse 12, it says this. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Hmm. Yes, friends. We must love those who are different than us. Yes, we must not push our ways onto people. But we also must not, listen, we must not start behaving like the very people we're trying to reach. It's not an everything goes gospel. It's not a live however you want to live gospel. Scripture commands us to love it commands us to go the extra mile for people. It commands us to turn the other cheek. These things we must do. But it also warns us to turn away from what Scripture just called the deeds of darkness. Is this okay if I, if I talk this way? Check out what verse 14 said. I'll show you again what it says here. It says, rather, rather than acting like that, rather than acting like the world and being like the world, in other words, it says, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Hmm. Listen, church, we have been... Upgraded. <laughs> Our clothing has been upgraded. Our appearance has actually changed when we gave our life to Jesus Christ. And that appearance and that change should be noticeable and tangible to every person we meet. Scripture, in fact, in verse 12, calls it an armor of light. And this has been the struggle with the younger generation. You don't want to be like those crotchety Christians you know. And now the pendulum has swung completely out, of bat, uh, completely out of balance. We are to love the world, not be like the world. Transformation, my friends, is part of the gospel. Repentance, turning from our old wicked ways is part of the gospel. And our lives must reflect this. Is this talking to anybody this morning? What then is that to look like? You know, how are we to do this while living in this postmodern world? How are we supposed to truly love our neighbor who has all these different belief systems and ways of life that differ from us. How are we supposed to do that today? Well, friends, it starts by walking in love toward every person you come and talk, you, you come in contact with. 
And it ends by being willing to live your life based on the principles of the Word of God. The rest, my friends, is out of our hands. If people reject you, it's not you they'll reject. It's the message that they'll reject. Hey, Stephen, a character in the Bible, was rejected to the point where he was murdered. Yet despite all the hatred that was flung at him, what did he do? He loved anyways. And of course, our Savior, Jesus Christ, was rejected and killed. Yet he was able, through all the intense pain, he was able to love anyways. See, Here's the thing. I can stand upon the principles of the Word of God and still walk in love toward those who reject my message and my way of life. I can, in fact, connect with those opposite-minded people and not be influenced into giving up my biblical principles or values. I can express my beliefs in such a way that builds bridges rather than destroys them. If the bridges get torn down, my prayer is it's not because of me. It's going to be on those who reject the message that I stand for. See, when we do that, the ball is now in their court. And whether they want to be my friend or not now is up to them. You see, because I've broken bread with many people since I've been a Christian who do not adhere to my biblical world view. I've golfed with them. I've played hockey with them. I've worked with them. I've gone for coffee with them. I've laughed with them. I've cried with them. I have had them over to my house and I've been to theirs. I've beaten them badly at crib and I've lost to them badly at crib. And through our times of interaction... They came to know my biblical stance on life and on various world issues. And they respected me for it. They didn't necessarily agree with me about many things, but they knew where I stood and they understood that my general demeanor in life is to love. Is this making sense? So my friends, we are being awakened those who have been judgmental toward others, a bright light, I believe, is shining upon your attitude. An attitude that must change if we want to see this gospel of the kingdom impact our globe. Did you hear that? It's an attitude that must change. When Jesus was confronted by a religious crowd, who wanted to stone an adulteress to death. They caught her in the act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus. And they wanted him to stone her. What did he do? He didn't reject her. He didn't condemn her. He forgave her of her sins. And said, go and sin no more. Friends, that is what we are called to do. Jesus set the example for us. We are not called to judge them. We are called to love them. Love them with the love of Jesus Christ. And as we do, I believe they will see 
a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, they need to see a life that has been changed, a life that has been transformed, a life that has been touched by the glory of Jesus Christ. When I say a life that is changed and a life that is transformed, that means exactly what it means. It means that, hey, I, I, I don't, I don't talk like them. Uh, you won't find me cussing at every second word. Um, I don't drink like them. You won't see me getting drunk with them. Uh, I don't live the way they live and cheat on my wife or, or, uh, if I'm not married, just sleep with everybody that comes my way or live uh, very alternative lifestyles. They don't see me living that way. What they see is they see a life transformed, a life touched by the gospel. They don't see perfection because none of us are perfect. Many of us wake up every single day and make mistakes. But it's not as if we go out and do it on purpose. Is this making sense to anybody? See, God is awakening his church. He's awakening us to live a life that is conducive with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That our lives would be biblically sound where we have a different lifestyle than those that we are attempting to reach. The Spirit of God, friends, is churning within us. Are you sensing it? I sure am. I'm sensing the Spirit of God arouse me, awaken me as if from a sleep. And He's showing me a world that has lost its way. A world that is going to hell in a handbasket, if you may. And a world that needs to hear proclaimed the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that doesn't condemn them, but in a way that reaches out and loves them. I think of my own salvation experience. When I came to know Jesus Christ as my own Lord and Savior, I, I think of how the impact the gospel had on me and those that I knew who were uh, connecting with me and ministering to me. Nobody, the beauty was nobody was condemning me. Nobody was uh, uh, telling me how bad I was, how evil I was. But everybody was pointing me toward Jesus. They kept saying, just read your Bible. They kept saying, just talk to him and read your Bible and allow him to touch your life and allow him to change you. And friends, as I did that, as I started to read the Bible, I started to see the error of my ways. The Spirit of God started showing me the error of my ways and, and a desire started bubbling up within me to want to change, not because somebody told me I had to change, not because somebody was condemning me, but because I saw for myself in the Bible and I was being ministered to by the Spirit of God. And He was beginning to correct my ways. And it brought about a great 
transformation in my life. Friends, this is what the gospel is about. And this is what this country and the people that we do life with in this country, they absolutely need to hear this. Is this making friends? Uh, making friends. <laughs> is this making sense, my friends? You know, if you were like me, um, back in the day where, man, I was living uh, anything uh, but uh, the way I knew I should live. Uh, my life was a mess. And somebody pointed me to the gospel. And friends, I want to do that for you today. I want to point you toward the gospel. If if you've been listening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior. On the screen, there's a prayer. And I want you to pray that prayer just between you and God. I'm going to have them uh, uh, put the the prayer up. And rather than me pray it and you repeat it, I just want to pause for a moment and give you a moment to say that prayer between you and God. Okay, I'm going to pause here and give you a moment to pray that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to know that you're now a Christian and a transformation is beginning to occur in your life. A transformation that will rock your world. A transformation that, that you couldn't imagine, in fact, how great the transformation is. If you prayed that prayer, can you do um, me a favor and just email the office, office at victorylifechurch.ca. Let us know that you prayed that prayer. And uh, we'd love to uh, help you in your walk and uh, help you understand, um, you know, what it means now to be a Christian. We'd like to get some material into your hands. Um, but maybe you're one of those people who I've, I was speaking to. Maybe you're a youth, you're a young person who your lifestyle has been anything but that of a Christian. And you know better. Well, at the end of the service... I'm going to come back and lead you in a prayer and I'm going to trust God that a miracle work of healing and of deliverance uh, would occur in your life and that you would be free from um, that playing around with the world attitude. Uh, or maybe you're one of those people who are what I called a crotchety Christian. I don't know no other way to put it. You've been miserable. You've been grumpy. You've been judgmental uh, upon everybody. And what I've been saying has been speaking to you. And you know you need to walk in love. You know that the gospel is all about love. The Bible itself is summed up in one simple sentence, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. But you haven't been doing that. You've been loving God, but you haven't been loving your neighbor. Again, at the end of the service, I want to pray with you. Well, hi, here we are again. As I mentioned at the end of the service, 
or, or my message that, that I wanted to pray for those of you that have been struggling, struggling in the areas of the flesh and struggling in the areas of being a grumpy Christian. So will you join us in prayer as, as we pray some prayers of victory over you? Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for all of those who are listening who have been struggling in the flesh, struggling with the things of the flesh. You know, it could be in areas of gambling. It could be in areas of alcoholism. It could be in the areas of uh, pornography and lust. And, uh, you know, it, it can be in other areas of overeating. Uh, just the whole aspect of the flesh has been really rising up and, and almost conquering you. So, Father, I pray for every one of those people that are have struggled with that in the name of Jesus. And I proclaim victory yes. and freedom over those areas in their lives. That work of the flesh, that God, I pray that each person would grab a hold of your word and choose to follow you all the days of their lives, Father, in a way that brings refreshing and joy into their lives. Because I know when the flesh rises up, our joy goes down. But when our we choose to live by your word, our joy goes up and the flesh goes down. So I declare that over every person listening. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. And Father, I just want to really lift up every person that says, you know, I identify with that grumpy Christian. Lord, I pray for each person right now that is in that position where they're mad at themselves. They realize that they're living uh, in a way that doesn't well represent you, but the, the flesh is stronger. For whatever reason, that grumpiness is rising up. Lord, I ask that there would be forgiveness there, self-forgiveness, to release yourself from that bondage of, of not uh, trusting that you actually can represent Christ in a, in a good light. And I pray, Father, a peace over each life today uh, against that pressure. And maybe the grumpiness is coming from the pressures. So we ask for a peace and a release. And I thank you, Father God, that you are doing a deeper work in our hearts than we could ever have imagined. And Lord, I release that deep deeper work, the healing required in those spots, in those areas, in those nooks and crannies that are just causing that bubbling up of grumpiness. And instead that you replace it with a a kindness and a a real ability to be long-suffering and and to really be gentle with kind answers. And I thank you, Father God, that you're more than able to do this in our lives if we'll simply ask. So I thank you, Father God, that we receive by receiving, by asking today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I hope you received that. Uh, God bless you. We love you. Uh, if, if you feel you're gonna, you need help in this area, please reach out to us, office at victorylifechurch.ca, and, and we'll do our utmost to, uh, to walk with you through this. Well, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today. And uh, share this with, uh, with every person you know in your network and uh, we will see you again next week. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Amen. Nice to see you. (laughs) See ya.